This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and today on the show, I've got David Tyler, who's the treasurer for the Libertarian Party of Tennessee. We will be going to the LPT, LPT and convention on March 18th through the 20th. So I just thought it'd be really good to speak with some of the people in the party. And David, I want to say thank you for your time. Hi. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I want to make sure that everyone has a, a little bit of your backstory. So not just like how you became a libertarian, which I also want to know, but just tell everyone about yourself. Um, well, I was in the restaurant industry for a long time. I was a restaurant uh, manager, and then I went into business with uh, a guy. Uh, we we co uh, we we were co-workers, but then we bought into a franchise called Beefo Brady's. Um, and I ran that for several years and then got out of that. And now I'm a bookkeeper, um, kind of freelance. And I spend a lot of my time um, doing um, volunteer work, a lot of volunteer work. So how did you end up getting involved with the Libertarian Party? Has that just always been a, a, a dream of yours? Uh, yes, kind of. I know it sounds weird. Um, <laughs> no, it started like a, in 2007. Uh, I watched... Uh, a documentary called freedom to fascism uh and in that documentary they interviewed a um a congressman by the name of ron paul um and i remember thinking that guy should uh run for president and i can't believe that there's somebody in washington that sounds like that guy um and then he ran for president and i was ecstatic so i went and knocked doors i uh you know did the meetups i um, you know, he got fired up. We went to the, um, uh, the, the Ron Paul rally, uh, the revolution tour in, in 2008 in Washington. Um, I, I, that's where I got introduced to Adam Kokesh. Uh, you know, uh, he, he just came up from the war and was giving a speech and it was fantastic. Um, and then, um, you know, ever since then, I've just kind of been an activist libertarian, never really thought about getting involved in the party. Um, and then one day, the Libertarian Party, uh, the National Party, sent out an email if you were on their list. Said, "Hey, if you ever considered running for office," um, so I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll run for office." Um, and so I went to my local Libertarian Party meeting, and uh, was just like, uh, "Hey, <laughs> you know, uh, how how, do, how does this work? I mean, um, do you guys have candidates? Um, you know, are you looking for candidates?" And they're like, yeah, sure. Why don't you, you can be a candidate. Sure. Why not? You know? And, and then, uh, then I got involved with the party and that was back in 2019. So what, you know, I, uh, I've just never heard this story about Ron Paul before. First time ever. No. What, what percentage of people would you say you talk to that have that Ron Paul? That's my story too. It was, uh, back back then in that time uh, as well, when he was run for president, not as early as, uh, as you, but I've got the same story. I, I was a, just uh, moving around on YouTube one day. I don't know how it came up in my feed. Found Ron Paul. I was uh, just a crazy right-wing warmonger at that time, and I heard all that. You're good American, I guess. Yeah. Like everybody else. <laughs> what, what was it What was it about what, what Ron Paul was saying to you that, that really changed your thinking on everything? 
Well, I mean, that was particularly a documentary about how the uh, the income tax is illegal. Um, but uh, what really stuck out to me the most was, uh, you know, uh, Ru- uh, Aaron Rousseau, the director, says, I, let's cut to, uh, you know, Congressman Ron Paul and Congress meeting is sitting at his desk. And the thing that stuck out the most was Ron Paul had this bumper sticker on his desk that said, don't steal. The government hates competition. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that guy gets it. Um, uh, you know, it, having a healthy distrust of government, I guess, is just part of my personality. Um, but uh, yeah, that really stuck with me. And then, you know, uh, Ron's books uh, and the subsequent books from the revolution um, uh, were all very good and brought me further into uh, the libertarian lifestyle. Yeah, I was uh, I was just wondering, so before you saw that documentary, were you already leaning one direction or another? Were you a strong Republican, Democrat, or were you already kind of libertarian leaning at that time? Yeah, I didn't really have a political uh, leaning back then. Um, I mean, I voted. I voted for Bush in 2000, and I voted for John Kerry in 2004. Um, you know, so I, I, I was, you know, a kid. I just kind of voted. And have really a liber- any kind of political beliefs, really. Um, but, uh, you know, I grew up in the country um, and I lived with my grandmother and she was hyper-religious, uh, you know, and everything is the devil, you know. <laughs> uh, when you're, you're a super religious household, you grow up and you realize, hey, everything kind of really is the devil. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the, the evil in the world is per- uh, perpetrated by the government. Um, I just, you know, just naturally distrust, distrustful of, um, uh, just government organizations in general and, and large banks, um, you know, and, and just the wrong, the libertarian lifestyle just kind of uh, appealed uh, to me because that's kind of just where I was at for the most part. Yeah, the reason I asked so much about uh, the reason I asked so much about all that stuff is I'm really interested in how people can be uh, pushed into being more libertarian, not pushed, but led in that direction. Nudged nudge just a little bit uh, maybe they can wake up to this idea that you can't trust the the government that was actually what happened with me i realized that maybe not everything i believed was actually true and that people could be lying to me and it kind of led down that road and so it always interests me is how people end up going in that direction because uh, we we kind of need to do more of that i feel like we've had a lot of reasons to not trust the government come up lately uh, over the last couple of years, for sure. And do you think that people are kind of waking up to maybe libertarianism or at least not trusting that power? Well, I just kind of think most people um, kind of come by, honestly, as they grow up, um, uh, any con- preconceived notions that they may have about the world or anything that they may have grabbed onto as they're growing up. You know, a lot of those things, um, you know, the, the mask will fade away from these things. And um, I think more as people, you describe it as waking up. I, I think they're just having a self-realization that, um, you know, maybe everything that I believed wasn't exactly true, or maybe they had a lot of faith in say like the government and then COVID happens and they really leaned hard on, you know, like they've got the solution. They're telling us they're going to fix this. They've got, they've got it coming. Uh, they've got a solution coming and then it just turned into more power grabs and um, loss of freedom um, for people. And, you know, that's not the, that's not, they were looking for, (laughs) they were looking for a way out, not a a way further into it. Um, And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of people drifting away from 
um, either the left or the right, uh, just kind of more towards uh, general libertarianism on a scale where they're just moving away from the authoritarian and they're, they're rudderless right now. Now, one thing I'm really interested in, and I'll just be uh, right up front with this. So I'm not a member of the party. I, I was, I'm not a member of the party. I'm still, I'm so willing to be convinced to be a member of the party right now. Like I, I I'm just not against it, but you know, we had this, we, we talked a lot about Ron Paul, who was a Republican when he was running. And what I'm wondering is, have we reached the point where looking for a Republican to uh, to make these changes or to be out there talking about this stuff that it's we're kind of past that point and we really need to really get behind the Libertarian Party and stop waiting on Republicans to fix stuff? Well, no, this may be controversial for some party members. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I honestly believe that there uh, it's it depends on what you want out of it. And why are you, why would you affiliate with a party altogether? Uh, if you're, if you're trying to, you know, enact change as quickly as possible, you know, uh, within your own lifetime, and you want to, you want to be up in the, in, in the mechanism and trying to uh, gunk up the works, you're going to have to probably go main party. Um, I think libertarian parties come a long way. And I think it's, um, it's going to be a force for good as long as it, the people that are involved in it are still involved in it um, and and pushing forward. But I, I think, honestly, the, the libertarians haven't had their moment yet. And it's going to be some time. I think that uh, I'll speak for maybe more for my party here in, in Tennessee than I will like the, the nation at large. But, you know, there's still a lot of work to go um, to uh, maybe turn it into a a viable threat to the to the duopoly um or at least a certifiable home for those um who are lost uh, politically um you know uh, we you know we get seen as a joke because we're small um and uh, you know when you look at say like the, the republican party here, even here in tennessee you know it's full of uh judges and lawyers and doctors and uh people with uh, money and prestige and and generational wealth and uh and all of the influence and power that comes along with it. We're just regular people for the most part. Uh, you know, I'm a bookkeeper. I think Dave is a plant manager. <laughs> Ken is a teacher. You know, we have professional jobs and we're professionally uh, people, but, you know, we, we have no real sphere of influence within our communities outside of, you know, the Libertarian Party at large. Well, it's, uh, I hate that, it, that people who are really more representatives of the people uh, would be looked at as kind of a, a joke. That's kind of a sad thing to think about. Like, oh, you're not a, uh, you don't own like a massive corporation or you don't already have a bunch of influence inside of other parties. So you're just kind of a, you're well, just you, a, yeah. you're a lowly just person like everyone else. We'd never want you to represent anything that yeah. we want. <laughs> well, you know, you're going to have the media too. They're, they're, you know, you, we, when you don't have as much power to influence, you can't influence the voices outside of, uh, you know, uh, that, that make a difference in the community. Um, I, I remember I, I was in a clubhouse chat with uh, Justin Amash one time, and uh, we were, he was talking about, uh, you know, what, what should libertarians be doing in their own backyards? And I really liked what he said. Um, and and he, what he was saying was not necessarily about joining the party and making a difference, but joining the organizations within your own community. You know, like be a member of the Lions Club, go work at the local food bank, you know, get, be on zoning boards in your city and, 
you know, build credibility there and then then lend that credibility to the party once you've established yourself. And I think that's a good idea for anybody that wants to get involved in politics in general. But I think if the Libertarian Party wants to get real serious, they need to start, you know, getting more stranglehold on like the grassroots of uh, uh, municipalities. I mean, there's only one, there's one country, there's 50 states, there's like 20,000 municipalities, you know, in, in just in one state. Um, so there's there's a a lot of room for, well, I guess, I mean, uh, the anarchists of the Libertarian Party would say that's probably the most ideal situation because everybody can just do whatever they want to. And if you don't like being a communist or a Republican, you can just move over there and, and be a Libertarian, I guess. Yeah, I guess one thing I was wondering with the state party overall, are they focused on uh, like the really big elections? They want to make sure that there's a really great libertarian candidate for governor, or are we looking at people being mayors, city council members, things like that? Which way do you think it needs to go? Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, the state party kind of does all of that. So, um, yeah, we had, we do have a gubernatorial candidate this year for governor. His name is LaMichael Wilson. Um, uh, he lives in Memphis. He is a small business owner. Uh, and he is a leader within his community, and I think he'll be a great, uh, a great uh, libertarian candidate that a lot of people will be able to get behind. And I think he's going to introduce a lot of Tennesseans uh, to um, libertarian ideas, you know, heter- heterodox ideas about um, things you wouldn't even think about, like you know, equitable police uh, enforcement, <laughs> you know, words you wouldn't normally hear in conservative circles, but that can be discussed freely by libertarians because we understand. Uh, the basic, the inherent evil of of, of policing, uh, you know, that they're they're not there to protect your rights. They're there to enforce laws and laws can take away your rights. Um, and we can explain that to people. And, and LaMichael is a good person. Um, but uh, for as for other candidates, you know, we are running some other state level candidates. We're also, you know, Nick Solwell uh, out of Memphis. He is going to be running for a state Senate seat. Um, uh, and then we have, we have municipal, um, elected officials across the state. We have a mayor, um, several city councilmen. Uh, I myself, am on a regulatory board. I'm on the beer board commission here in East Ridge. Um, so it's a multi-pronged approach. Um, but as far as the state is focused, it's mainly on, uh, supporting the statewide candidates, um, and providing, um, you know, training and support in other ways for municipal level candidates. Um, Tennessee is broken. The Tennessee Libertarian Party is broken up into nine regions. Uh, and, um, you know, we're more of a, uh, bottom up organization. So the power comes from the bottom. Um, so, uh, the state is there to mainly act as a li- liaison from the national party to the regional coordinators here within the state. Um, and then our county members, um, are essentially where the meat meets all done, you know, like our, uh, our mayoral, and um, our mayor, can, our mayor uh, uh, candidate, Stephen, I can't remember his last name off the top of my head. And then our city council members, um, that was all done at the, the county level um, through support of the regions and then the state, their training. So one thing just for our listeners who aren't really familiar with libertarianism. I mean, we talk about being libertarians all the time. We mainly talk about general news items uh, every day, but what is kind of the libertarian philosophy and what's the elevator pitch in that that makes it so different from what everyone else is talking about out there on a daily basis? Well, I always like the phrase, don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. Uh, I can't remember who said that. Um, Matt Kibbe has a book. uh, Matt Kibbe, yeah. 
and I, I love that. Uh, I love that framing for normies, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, being in Tennessee, I just kind of like you to stay out of my yard. I'll stay out of yours. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you can be weird. Just be weird over there. Um, you know, I, I, you know, libertarianism to me is more, more of a lifestyle than a philosophy. There's a lot more people in the party that it's a philosophy and they like to quote Hoppe and, and, um, uh, and Rothbard and stuff. And, and I'm not very good at that. Um, mainly just because I haven't read all the books in my life. I'm more of a Stephen King dude. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, for me, it's more of a lifestyle, like volunteerism. Um, you know, uh, I, when I was growing up, I was very involved in the church. Um, and so there was a community there that I just don't have now. I'm not really a church guy anymore, but, uh, you know, I really miss the community aspect. So I, now that I have kids, uh, we homeschool and I have a more free time now that I don't own the restaurant. And I, and I have a freelancing gig. I like to volunteer at the food pantry. And I'm the president-elect of the Eastridge Optimist Club. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm on the beer board. I, I do all kinds of stuff. I'm, like, very involved in my community. Um, so I try to make my community better with a uh, volunteerist lifestyle. You know, just keeping all my associations um free and um uh, trying to make the best impact as i possibly can um just in the community so a, a burning question that we get asked all the time and i need to know the answer is taxation theft I absolutely need, i need to know okay good you heard it here first folks taxation is in fact theft now how are we going to have a society without taxes though i mean i would i don't want to my car wouldn't run on dirt very well like i need roads come on yeah, well, I mean, there there are schemes. Um, you know, roads can be funded through um, sponsorships, like Larry Sharp says, which I think is a great idea. Um, uh, taxation can be done voluntarily. I mean, I mean, you hear it all the time. I mean, even rich people, I'll pay more taxes. I, I bet if we gave people the option to pick where their uh, tax dollars went, they'd be they they probably give more freely. Um, than if it was just taken at gunpoint and saying we're going to pay for crap programs that you don't even want or need. Um, it's like whenever they made Obamacare make men carry a prenatal insurance for themselves. I mean, I can never have a baby. Why do I need pre prenatal insurance? I mean, I don't know. But that's the kind of stuff you get when you go centralized, you know. So you don't – taxation is theft, yeah, for sure. But, you know, if you're doing it willingly without somebody pointing a gun at you, it's called charitable giving. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things, and people on the podcast have heard me mention this a bunch of times, but one time Ayn Rand was on the Phil Donahue show, and she was talking about uh, how we would still have a government, uh, but it would be funded voluntarily. And one of the most important moments, I think, from the entire interview was when she said it would be funded voluntarily, everyone laughed. Uh, audibly, everyone was laughing about that. And to me, that's a very important moment because what they were all saying is that we all hate what the government does so much. We don't find the, enough value from it. It's ridiculous to think that anyone would ever voluntarily give the government money to do things that really tells you what people think about what the government does most of the time because we all give money voluntarily to things that we want all the time and i really do think that yeah taxation is theft and that people would give voluntarily and we would get a lot more value from it they would actually have to earn the money they'd have to do things in exchange to get your money 
which uh, is how oh, we they, they would be subject to market forces. Uh, you know, if they did a bad job at these roads, people wouldn't pay for it, or they would uh, fire that guy and find somebody better. Um, which is, you know, ultimately better for everybody. We get a better product and that guy's out on his ass. So what are some of the most important issues right now? I don't know if the if the state party focuses on a couple things that are really hot button issues at the moment and, and that's how they can kind of get more people interested. What what do you think are some of the most important issues here in the state right now? Well, I think the most important issue in the state of Tennessee, and this is my personal opinion, but it's one shared by many. Um, and that is uh, ballot access. Um, I, I spoke of our gubernatorial candidate, Michael Wilson, earlier. Uh, you know, uh, for Governor Lee, it's going to co- it's going to cost him a grand total of twenty five signatures uh, to get on the ballot uh, in, in all the all the hundred some odd counties across the state. Uh, for Mr. Wilson, it's going to be five percent of the gubernatorial previous gubernatorial election in each county, uh, and then that will give the Libertarian Party of Tennessee uh, actual party status, and then he has to get 25 more signatures <laughs> to get on the ballot. Um, so, uh, total, I, Mr. Wilson would have to get um, around 75,000 valid signatures oh um, compared to Governor Lee's 25. How did this happen? Uh, I've I've talked with people about this before, and it blows me away every time. Just the blatant. Uh, it's so it's so well, blatant they don't even care the answer is racism uh and that's uh actually honest uh god's honest because they you know uh, in the 50s and 60s during segregation in the south uh you know political parties they didn't want you to be there if you're black you know uh, you can't be a democrat you know the democrats are are the former slaveholders and you can't be a republican they they they, they let the slaves free you guys want a voice, you should start your own party. And and here's the rules for how you start your own party. Uh, you can just be an independent of any party and get 25 signatures, or you can start your own party and you have to get this many signatures. And they just set those barriers a little too high. And uh, uh, they've, they've never fallen away. You know, that segregation ended in the South uh, years ago, but the, the ballot access law stayed exactly the same. And it's still used as a cudgel against uh, uh, third parties like the Libertarian Party uh, and the Green Party and the Constitution Party here in Tennessee. Um, and, and it's it's been pretty bad. We we have we've had um, close calls, um, you know, here in the last uh, year or so about changing the law. Um, but we got beat out in committee. Like we even had the votes. Um, we had uh, one of the guys went up to use the bathroom. They called the vote real fast. We still got enough votes, but then the, the committee. Uh, uh, chair gaveled it down and said, oh, we don't have enough votes and then, and, and, and waved it off. Um, and, and so it, it's just really shady business like that that keeps, you know, our, our voices. And one of the reasons that somebody even voted against it was he was straight up very, very, uh, it was Johnny Shaw out of Jackson, Tennessee. Very, very specific. If we allow them on the ballot, they're going to take votes away from Democrats and Republicans. And that's just silly. These, the Tennesseans are, are a broader spectrum than left or right. There's a lot of people sitting in the middle with they really don't want to vote Republicans. They got they, they hate Trump. Uh, he ruined the party for them. They don't ever want to go back. They're Christian. They don't they don't they don't feel represented by people like Trump. And then there's the Democrats. I mean, Trump broke that party. I and mean, every every leftist I know or Democrat will never recover from Trump being president in my lifetime. 
Um, and but uh, the reaction to Trump was even worse. And they, they don't want to be a part of the Democratic establishment ever again, uh, especially now what they're seeing with Biden. They're destroyed. Um, but, uh, you know, even if we got most of the people on our side, there's still so many hoops that as soon as we got ballot access and they gave us party status, they'd take it away from us instantly. They'd find something else. Uh, you know, they would sue us. They would probably um, uh, figure out some sort of loophole or something that we didn't do and some paperwork and they would disqualify us again. We'd have to go all the way through the process again. So, so how, yeah, that's the biggest fight we got. How does this get fixed? Does this take, uh, does this have to go through the legal system? Is it going to have to go through the legislature? How, wh- what do you actually do to fix this? The answer is both of those. We're going to have to sue the, we're probably going to have to sue the state of Tennessee on the grounds that this is unconstitutional in the fourth, uh, um, the fourth amendment. And there's another, there's another constitutional argument I've heard. Um, there's a lawyer out of Michigan and Georgia who sued, uh, successfully, uh, although the Georgia, um, uh, decision did get, uh, overturned and appeal, uh, the one in Michigan, Michigan, uh, stood, uh, and they knocked the requirement down from 5% to, I believe two and a half percent, which is still very steep. Um, but uh, rather more attainable. Um, but no, we'll have to sue. We're, we're going to have to lawyer up because that's just kind of the nature of the business. Uh, um, but we're also going to have to put pressure on legislators and and uh, start getting people elected across the state. Um, you know, we're going to start small. We're going to have, I mean, we're going to find most of our victories in city councils, mayoral races, nonpartisan seats at the county level, and just start establishing ourselves there on the fringe and start working our way up to the house uh, until we can put libertarian legislators into the state house like they did in Wyoming with Marshall Burton. Yeah, that that sounds like a pretty good plan. And it sounds like uh, hopefully a good thing lawyers aren't super expensive. So it's going to be super easy to get that lawsuit through. I'm sure (laughs) not going to be any massive bills from that at all. Um, you mentioned one thing earlier. I just wanted to get your thoughts on this on the Republican side of things. Can the Republican Party ever actually recover from Trump or is this just, is this is this done? Uh, or until they, I mean, there's so many people who are still just so fixated. Uh, do you think they're going to make it a, away from this guy? Well, if Trump runs for president in 24, um, it's going to have disastrous, disastrous effects on the Republican Party, I believe. Because uh, you're seeing a real shift between uh, the people clamoring for DeSantis, you know, probably the more sane of the Trumplicans. Um, uh, but I think Trump's going to destroy that party from the inside out. Um, and he won't do it on purpose. He, he's just going to do it because he's an idiot. Um, but, um, you know, I, I just think that he's too vain. He's, so he's going to run. I think if in, in moderates and, and Democrats will never vote for him, but I think they would vote for somebody more moderate. Uh, maybe not DeSantis, you know, uh, but there's definitely, I mean, they'd vote for Rand Paul. I would. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Democrats are, are going to mess it up as well. I mean, they're, they're, nothing's going to come of this. I, I, I think uh, if Biden does not run again, they're going to try out the same tired candidates. So you're going to see, uh, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg and, and Kamala Harris up there stumbling over themselves, fighting for it, and then they'll find some uh, uh, they'll trot out some other 90-year-old creep probably <laughs> Hillary Clinton and then give it to her and make everybody bow out and give them a cabinet seat, and then the, the country's worse off for it. 
I don't have any faith in either one of these parties, man. To uh, be honest, I think that the Republicans are done. I think the Democrats are done. Um, it's the time for the Libertarian Party on the national level. Um, but uh, God bless them. There's another thing we need to be able to get the Libertarian Party into the debates. And I know that they are so scared of that because if they had a, a nice, calm, rational person uh, presenting real ideas up there, it would, it'll destroy both of them. So that's why they're going to work so hard to make sure that that never happens. Will we ever see a Libertarian on the debate stage? I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> You're supposed I to say yes. <laughs> I would like to say yes. But they can't have uh, a libertarian message up there because it's a brick wall to the establishment narrative. Um, and they need the establishment narrative to keep all that uh, smoke and mirrors going. Uh, they need people believing that the Democrats and Republicans are different things. They need people believing that those people are working against that, that they think they need people thinking that those people are working against each other um, and when they're really working against us. And I don't think that they'll allow a true Real, I mean, Donald Trump is the closest thing we're going to get to the truth up there, and he told more lies than anybody that was ever up there. Um, but he exposed a lot of what was going on up there. He cut the grass and exposed all of the snakes in there. And, you know, that was probably the most truth we're going to get for a while. But I don't think they're going to let a real – I'm sorry. They might put somebody up there calling themselves a libertarian, <laughs> but they're not going to put a real libertarian up there. They, they couldn't have it. Yeah, I, you know what you mentioned about Trump. The one thing that I did appreciate was, even though I didn't like it, I did feel like I was uh, actually getting what he thought, and at least not the truth, but at least what he even believed was, you know, there's just no, there's no filter there. And normally you get that politician filter where you really can't yeah. believe a single word they're saying, regardless of whether or not you liked it, you knew that you were getting the, the real thing with him yeah. and, and I, I hope that we can get that only with like a really good person behind it sometime. That right. would be awesome. Well, he, he would, he has a real knack for saying what everybody else in the room was thinking. It's like when he did that debate with Hillary Clinton and he was like, you'd be in jail and the room <laughs> went crazy and they went crazy because they were all thinking it. It's like, he just has a knack for kind of saying what everybody is thinking. And, and that's, it, it gets under the skin of some people <laughs> just can't handle it. I thought, I, hey, look, man, I, I thought Trump was a riot, probably the worst president we've ever had, but they're always the worst president we've ever had, um, you know, but uh, he wasn't the worst, in my opinion. I mean, we, we could have, Hillary Clinton would have been way worse for the country. Uh, we'd probably be in a, a big time war with Syria and Russia already. I um, mean, she was already beating the Russia uh, uh, no-fly zone over Syria when she was, uh, thought she had it all hemmed up. And then when Obama was on the way out, he, he tried to, stoke one more fire you know they, they wanted war with russia for years they finally got it now that they got their idiot in the, in the seat up there but. how uh, how crazy is it that i find i find it to be a big deal as a libertarian you know trump didn't get my vote either time but we didn't start any new wars yeah. while he was in office and i and i'm i'm happy about that and i'm kind of sad that i'm happy about that at the same time well he also brokered peace amongst all those countries in the middle east with israel now, he did do it by selling weapons to these people and setting up a scenario that might end up being worse <laughs> than what started. But, uh, you know, th there was peace happening. There was commerce. The, the flight from Israel to Saudi Arabia happened, you know, like stuff that would have never happened in the 1970s, 80s, or 90s. And Donald Trump made it happen because he took a real soft stance. I think it's because he didn't want to enter in any war because he sensed that most people were just kind of tired of it. And I think he didn't want to look like the bad guys. Why 
It's why he made the withdrawal to, in Afghanistan in May uh, instead of before the election, because if it went sideways, you know, he, he would have looked like an idiot. And Trump just couldn't have that. I, and I guarantee if he was reelected, I, we'd still be talking about withdrawal in Afghanistan. Um, I, he, he would have changed his mind. He moves the goalposts just like every other politician. Yeah, you can tell why he made it for after the election, because look at Biden's poll numbers since that withdrawal. It's been a disaster since then, since August, just tanking. Uh, it's been ridiculous. Uh, one more. I, I mean, uh, I want to get back to talking about Libertarian Party uh, here in a sec so, so we can do that. But I've got a bet going right now with someone that I got in a year ago that Biden was not going to serve four years. Do you think I'm going to win that bet or am I out a thousand no. bucks? No, you're going to lose. Oh, come as on. Long, as long as he's got a pulse, he's got he's going to be the guy. Mm. Because he all he has to do is show up. Um, and, and like he did it today, he got, he came out and he talked about, um, uh, putting this in a point in time for everybody, Ukraine, uh, and, and Russia today he gets out and he talked for maybe nine minutes. He was tired. He didn't take any questions. That's all they got. That's all I need to do. They just need him to sign a piece of paper, authorize things. And he's just being told what to do by his handlers, which is probably Obama and some other team of idiot, uh, Democrats, uh, uh calling the shots and, and, you know, that's how it is. And, they, and they're trying to make Kamala Harris look like some sort of genius by putting her out there and saying, look, she's going to fix the problem. And then the moment they sit over there, uh, Russia invades. Uh, so, you know, they're just making themselves look like, like fools. Um, but, uh, yeah. You, you know, all of this stuff with the federal government, it, it really it's fun to talk about, but uh, it really is just a lot of noise. You know, most of the stuff get most of the, the important stuff is being done at the state level. Like uh, if we went through these last couple of years of all the COVID stuff, Tennessee was uh, a lot better than a lot of other states. It wasn't perfect or anything like that. But yeah. have you noticed, and I'm, I mean, you know this, you're involved in a, in a state party, just how much more important it is for the states to be nullifying, to be making their own, to be making their own rules and not really following what the federal government's doing. I really hope that people have realized that over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, our state was better than some, uh, you know, but uh, Bill Lee still gave uh, he, he declared it was, you know, no mandates uh, for masks or anything for all these all these counties, except for three, you know, Hamilton County, Knox County, you know, uh, um, Shelby County and then uh, whatever in Nashville is. I can't remember. Yeah, but, Dave, you know, like, oh, yeah. But, and then they turned it over to unelected bureaucrats that the. the uh, you know, whoever the health the health guy was for that um, uh, for that county was the one that made the decision. It wasn't even up to the county mayors; it was up to the the unelected bureaucrats who got to do it. Uh, and you know, the uh, Hamilton County decided to go mask mandate for everybody. And I understand that you know we're a bigger city, um, but you know, I, it's Chattanooga is very rural. <laughs> I mean, it's still very rural. We're not like. Nashville, we don't have the, 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 the population density of these larger cities. There's no public transportation here. There's no reason, you know, that it could have happened. So it was, it, it wasn't, ultimately, it wasn't Donald Trump that ruined my life during COVID. It wasn't even my mayor, my, my governor that ruined my life. It was an unelected bureaucrat at the county level that made my life miserable for about a year. Uh, and, and every single time when it was just, oh, this is the date that the mask mandate's going to drop. And then the day would come and then, oh, we, we, we're going to have to push it up uh, two more months down the road. And he did that for a year. 
you know, and it was, it was the same stupid crap over and over, over and over again. Um, it, it had nothing to do with um, keeping anybody safe here. It was, it was that guy enjoyed the power. He liked keeping everything shut down. It was great, man. It, it, I, bet, I, I bet he had, it was like the best feeling ever. He like, woke up every day and he's like, one more day where everyone has to do what I say. And he's like, love it. Um, that's the only thing I can think. I mean, the guy, I mean, it just drove me nuts. Um, but yeah, it, it, your, your local stuff is where you, you're going to get hurt the most. Um, I, I've never really been affected by any president other than they made me angry or they started some war that pissed me off. Um, but, but it was always, it's always somebody local, your mayor, your city council, they're the ones that raise your taxes. They're the ones that make you pay more money. You know, they're the ones that, uh, don't fix your roads. <laughs> they're the ones that, that run business off. They're the ones that are responsible for the, you know, over 40% of restaurants in my city closing wasn't because of Donald Trump or COVID. It was because of the county re- reaction to COVID. Um, so yeah, he, you know. We we can talk national politics all day, um, but uh, and, and it's self-serving as I guess the state party. I'm a member of the board of the state party, but uh, people should be getting really involved. If not the state level, get involved in their own backyards. Um, you know, if you got a homeless problem in your city, well, the government's not going to fix that. You, you'll find churches that are working hard on it. You're going to find advocates in your area that are doing it. And those people, well, maybe they get a little grants in here or there, um, but most of their donations come from private private citizens that come from businesses. Um, you know, you, I'm, I'm on the board of directors for the local food pantry, and you'd be amazed at how much uh, free food we get from grocery stores. Um, that, that you know, we feed thousands of people. Where I mean, I live in, in East Ridge, which is right next to Chattanooga, and we have 23,000 people. We have over 400, 400 homeless people. Uh, that bunk up where they get pushed to the, the state line over here. And we, 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 we feed uh, about two or 3000 people every month um, just for a little, out of a little tiny church. Um, and it's always people coming together and there's several churches here that do that stuff. And they don't, they don't get money from the government. It's all done through, you know, people coming together and doing it because we're, we're the only ones that are going to solve the problem. The government will never solve your problem. They're only going to make things worse. They can't keep you safe. It's only going to be the people you surround yourself with. Um, so, you know, it was, you, you mentioned Iran earlier, the, 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 the individual is the smallest minority, you know, and, and if you, whatever, if you can take care of yourself, take care of yourself. And once you get to a point there, you can take care of somebody else. Um, if you're able to, you should do it. Um, and I, and I believe that, that I read the, I think it was the fountainhead. I didn't read the one everybody else out of shrug. They, all, they always love that. I've never read that book. Sorry. I haven't I read that book John, either, actually. I don't know who John Galt is, but I, I read no. the Fountainhead, and and uh, and there was a big a, a big push in that to, you know, be the very best version that you can be, so that you can can you know lend uh, lend a hand to the next person. And I guess the main character he, he was supposed to help all of society. Um, um, so well, that'll never happen. Not one person. Yeah, not I, one person's going to save us. <laughs> I literally know nothing about Atlas Shrugged, uh, really at all. I guess I can tell you the main idea of it, but I da- yeah. I, I downloaded it on my on my Audible just so I could say that I had the book. But when I noticed it was like ninety five hours long, I was uh, like, uh, you know, maybe I, I don't really I don't really want to do that. I don't really like uh, fiction stuff that much anyway, but. Um, you know, you mentioned the uh, the homelessness thing. I wanted to ask about that real quick because it sounds like you're actually involved in things that are 
really helping people. A lot of people think that what everyone needs that's homeless is just uh, some money. Like that's what they need. They need to have some money sent to them. What have you noticed through doing this? Like, what do you think would solve this problem? What are these people needing? Well, there's no one solution to anything. That's the problem. Um, everybody comes, uh, they become homeless through various different reasons. Um, you know, some choose to be homeless. As weird as that sounds. Um, some people are, are, they have horrible drug problems or they have mental illness. Um, some people just had a really bad string of bad luck. You know, they just, you know, a bunch of crap happened to them. They, life sucks, you know, and they don't stay that way, you know, but, um, and a lot of people don't say that way. Um, but um, there's no one cure for it. And there's no one solution for it either. Because, you know, like you see, like uh, Austin, Texas has a really nice, uh, they have like tiny homes. Uh, it's a tiny home village and it's got its own little services. It's done, it's done really well. But that's because it's ran by good people. It's ran by a small organization. You can't replicate that because you can't replicate those people. So a lot of these problems that you see, that these solutions that you see working um, even around all the uh, country, all around the country for very similar problems. It's always the same thing. You know, you see, so it works really well. Why can't we just do it over here? Like things like that don't scale up because it, it typically is just because there's a good core group of either one to five people that just make it happen. And you can't replicate those people. Um, so like I said, it, it, the only thing that's going to fix homelessness, uh, if I had to pick one thing, which I just said, there's not one thing. So I feel like an idiot saying it. <laughs> but it's going to take human action. It's going to take people coming together and, and making it happen. Like I, it was like I said earlier, if you can uh, take care of yourself and if, and once you're there uh, and you, and you, and you're able to take care of other people and, and it's going to have to take human action, um, compassion and empathy go a long way in society and, and they, they will fix a lot of these problems. Um, some of these problems I just don't think can be fixed. And that's really sad. Uh, but at least we can, um, offer relief and, and solution for those people that it will make a difference to. So you're saying that we can't just tax Elon Musk and then we won't have homelessness anymore. No, 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 no. <laughs> Two wrongs don't make it right. You can't steal from one person to, to better someone else's situation. Uh, you've robbed that one person of their money and then you rob the other person uh, of the, the uh, moral capability of taking care of themselves. Um, uh, I, I, you know, like I said, two wrongs don't make it right. Uh, if you're if you enter into a situation to help somebody, you do it for good reasons and for uh, pure reasons. Um, you know, Ron Paul says that uh, to to have a true libertarian society, yeah, we must be a moral and just society. And we we are not a moral or just society. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to be coming over to the uh, Libertarian Party of Tennessee convention going on in the middle of March, March 18th to the 20th. What can I, ex oh, yeah. what can I expect there? What's, uh, what's going to be going on? Uh, what's, what's, what's the plan for that weekend? Uh, well, it's libertarianism, so probably uh, drugs and prostitutes. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. The first night... Uh, on Friday the 18th, that evening, we're going to have our gala. Um, there are still tickets available. I highly recommend people buy them. Our VIP tickets are $100. You can buy two of them for $160. Um, it's a pretty good deal. Comes with dinner, and you get to pick your VIP of choice. Uh, and our VIPs are going to be Joe Jorgensen, um, who is, you may know her. She ran as the Libertarian Party candidate for president. Um, we're going to have Ricky Harrington, who is the gubernatorial candidate um, from Arkansas, 
Uh, we're going to have uh, Angela McCardle, who is uh, a lawyer uh, from Los Angeles. She's also the chair of the Los Angeles Libertarian Party. Los, I'm sorry, Los Angeles County Libertarian Party, which is basically the largest Libertarian Party uh, affiliate in the entire country, uh, if, if you include some states too. Um, and then, oh, I'm going to really bust this up. Oh, Scott Horton is going to be there. Which I don't know if you know who Scott Horton is, but yeah, we just booked, uh, we just booked an interview with him during the uh, convention. Oh my gosh, yeah. man! Uh, congratulations, he's interviewed <laughs> over five thousand people. I believe he's the the preeminent anti-war voice in uh, the country, uh, and and I think he's going to be one of the most influential libertarians uh, in a long time. Uh, in a few more years, I think more people are going to know how he is, especially he's going on shows like yours. Uh, you know, he's going to get a lot more. Exposure. I also think we might see him on Joe Rogan here sometime soon with that most recent uh, Dave Smith interview. He mentioned Scott Horton a couple times, and uh, I'm feeling that that's going to end up happening with all this stuff going yeah. on. The main thing I want to ask him is, how do you know everything? I have to get this answer. I don't see how it's possible, but the guy knows everything. It's uh, crazy. It's, it's a it's a steel trap. Uh, it's like when he wrote. Uh, I think it was. Um, it, it's time to end the war in Afghanistan. It was not supposed to be a book about Afghanistan. It was supposed to be a war about just generally everything. And, you know, it's, he can't just, you know, write about one thing because he knows everything and how everyone is interconnected and how they're all related. And then you've got to know the context. And by the time he gets the context filled out, he's 10 chapters into a book. Um, I mean, he's just an amazing human being. Uh, he, I just don't know how he knows everything, but golly. That debate that he did with Bill Crystal, oh, I don't know if you watched it. Yeah, holy cow, that was good. That um, uh, was good. Uh, I met him in person at the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania's convention last year, um, and golly, he was just like the most interesting and amazing person. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm fanboying, but uh, I'm going to get to see him <laughs> all weekend. That weekend, uh, and everybody else can too. And, and Saturday we'll have our business, uh, which the business is good because we have uh, the, we're actually selecting delegates for the national convention in Reno um, this year. So we're going to have a lot of uh, big business going on there too. Um, but good speakers, we're going to have a good time. I, there's always a lot of people having a good time here. Um, and you're going to get to meet lots of libertarians that live near you in Tennessee, if you're from Tennessee. Um, and, but but uh, you'll also get to meet a lot of libertarians from outside of the state because Tennessee is the best libertarian party in the country. Everybody knows it. Um, that's why we get all the good people come to our, so, you know, you'll see people, um, that are on the bill that might be there. Dave Smith might pop in. I'm just kidding. He won't pop in, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he might, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I don't make the rules. He can do whatever he wants. You'll have, you'll have I'm to be saying. there to find out. Yeah. Be there. I is it, it a, just a check. Is it in Manchester? Do I have that right? It, oh gosh. What'd you ask me? I think I, it's in, uh, I think it's in Tullahoma. Oh, is it? Okay. I might. But wanna, yes. Manchester, Tullahoma. Okay. Those are the same thing in Tennessee. Are they? <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah, they're like 20 minutes from each other. So, like, it's not far. You can go to lptn.org uh, in our website and just click on the convention tab there. And, uh, you know, you can get signed up. It's $0 to attend the business. If you just want to come and see a bunch of libertarians nerd out and be governmental, it's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, our guys like to fight over Robert's rules. We got bylaws uh, amendments coming up. I mean, I know it sounds boring to some people, but holy cow, for libertarians, that stuff is like crack. Uh, <laughs> you'll watch, you know, amendment uh, uh, debates go on for like an hour for no reason. Uh, and, and so you get to see, uh, you know, a lot of the process, see what the, 
see how the inner workings of the party really are. Um, uh, learn more about libertarianism. Um, learn more about libertarians in your backyard. See what a libertarian uh, elected official looks like, because we're going to have those. You know, uh, Councilwoman Trisha Butler is going to be there. We're going to have, um, you know, uh, elected officials panel. Uh, so we'll have you know several of our elected officials up there. We'll also have uh, Shane Hazel, who's the gubernatorial candidate from Georgia. You know, so we're going to have three gubernatorial candidates there, a presidential candidate. If you if you ever consider running for office for libertarian, this is a good time for you to get out and see what the see the sausage being made. You know, and it's kind of gross. I mean, it's not like making sausage. I mean, it's a bunch of neck bearded dudes. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> debating policy over libertarian party, but. It's going to be worthwhile, and uh, Sunday we'll conclude the business, and we'll have, you know, a, a close out there. But I think it's going to be a good time, and I, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person too. This conversation has been pretty great. Yeah, man. Just make sure uh, we're going to have a booth set up there and be interviewing people and everything. So just make sure you come by. I'm excited yeah. about it. You just sold me on it, so I'm so glad that we're going, and especially yeah. since Dave Smith's going to be there. <laughs> just... Oh well, I mean, the, the possibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exists. Yeah, it's a non-zero chance. It's. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. I'll take it. All right, David, thank you so much for your time tonight. And once again, everyone check out those links.